As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hello and welcome to The Ruck. I hope you enjoyed your rugby weekend and wow, what a weekend it was. The Heineken Champions Cup quarterfinals, Challenge Cup quarterfinals, games to to wow us, moments to thrill. Um, Steve Jones, rugby correspondent for the t- Sunday Times, joins me, as does Alan Dimmock, features editor for Rugby World. I'm Alex Lowe. Gents, how was your rugby weekend? Uh, oh, I saw a top game, obviously. Uh, I went to the Welford Road. Good and bad bits. Uh, obviously, two of the b- biggest names ever in Europe, one of which remains of a big name, and the other one doesn't quite, because I think even though the scoreline, Alex, was, was roughly, uh, n- n- by no means a massive uh, margin, I get the impression if that game had been played 10 times, Leinster would have won them all. Mm. And I think there's a, there's a um, question mark over um, some of the Leicester players as to whether they're quite up to where they're going to be in a few years' time, but are clearly not at the moment. Yeah, I imagine over the course of this pod we'll be talking about that gap and where the Premiership sits. Alan, what caught your eye this weekend? I'm already disappointed in us because I think this podcast should be entirely <laughs> dedicated to Teddy Tomas's try. And the fact that we're not doing that and only that, shame on us, really. I was but- expecting the last section, our weekly God or Goddess Award, was going to be dominated by two tries. Yeah, I would imagine. Well, let's keep our powder dry on that one. <laughs> but it was, I said at the start, there were, there were games to wow. I, I just thought, if you were the, the armchair viewer on Saturday, you went from Wasps beating Edinburgh right at the death in the Challenge Cup, which was outstanding, to that to the Munster game against Toulouse, mm-hmm. which, for my money, was the game of the season so far. I just, I loved everything about that game. Don't love the penalty shootout at the end, but I don't see... Another alternative, and I certainly, I certainly think that that it's a better version than the Cardiff Leicester version we had, and then uh, and then into the the, the Leicester Leinster game, um, all of which will give us a, an enormous amount to talk about on on the ruck today. We'll also be joined by Marcel Kurtzia, the Bulls captain and South Africa international, to discuss South African teams in the URC, their entry into the into the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup next season. Jess Hayden will join us with all the latest in the women's game and as as we just said we will have the god or goddess of the week and no prizes for guessing who's going to be nominated but first we're into Europe so I think it was by common consent a pretty epic weekend of European rugby where where should we start Steve Welford Road where you went yeah uh, it's do you mean the Mattioli Woods Welford Road? I do mean okay, that, Because yeah. they were very insistent on that, having to give them a nice big long name. Um, I still don't know what Mattioli Woods are, though. Are they actually woods, woodland? or? Yeah, you can get lost in them. I don't know. I don't know what... They... Anyway, there we go. Uh, first of all, um, one of the great atmospheric games. Tigers fans are really into it, and a lot of Leinster fans there. Really um, authentic atmosphere. It really was. I mean, it was how it was supposed to be and how it has not been for a few years. Um, 
The only trouble is, uh, even though the noise level ca- ca- uh, stayed up, the expectation quickly died because of the pace that Leicester started playing. They were 20 nil up before Leicester had even done anything, hardly yeah. had a charge or anything. Um, re- really massively impressive. Uh, like I say, the pace of it w- w- was extraordinary. Um, some of those boys, uh, those even the front rowers, uh, were, were involved heavily carrying the ball, uh, Furlong Kelleher. Um, but um, it, it, then second half, it, it, it the pace dropped a bit, but then people started saying, well, Leicester are back in it. I don't think they ever were. I think that um, Leinster said, right, well, we're, we're up here, we're doing well, we're not under any pressure, soak it up, soak it up, soak it up. Um, so, it, look, it was a, it, I, I, I think that it slightly exposed Leicester as not quite the team uh, we thought they were. Maybe they will become so. Uh, but um, there's just one, you know, just to give you one comparison, halfback, J- Jamison Gibson-Park and Ben Ben Youngs, maybe it was because of the, of the flow of the ball they were getting. Gibson-Park was absolutely electric. Wasn't it, absolutely yeah. electric. So, great, great win for Leinster. I do not see them... Um, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I do not see them failing to win the tournament. Yeah, you wrote that in your, in yeah. your match report on on Sunday. That some of the things that stood out for me, some of the performances, I thought across the weekend there were some outstanding individual performances in, in, in many games. I thought James Ryan, on his comeback, eight, it's amazing to think, it was eight, eight weeks ago he got knocked out by Charlie Ors. hasn't played since. He was, yeah. he was phenomenal, wasn't he? he? he Two line-out steals in this game were exceptional. And it was a case of, because we talk about Leicester Tigers, that being their great strength, and he just went, I'll have that ball, cheers. And it's yeah. like that, that, it's moments like, those are interventions that you want big players to make. I thought that was brilliant. I thought yeah. the montage of flow were disgracefully, awfully short on both occasions, <laughs> though. They really were. I mean, look, no, Ryan was, for his first game, was fantastic, and he lasted lasted brilliantly. But, um, you know, they've got some players coming through, not just the, the ones we we know about. Sexton, um, uh, I don't think he's quite the player he was, but he, he took all the hits that were coming his way. He got he got knocked flying in the first 10 seconds, got up and got on with it. Um, referee helped... Um, Leinster massively by uh, overrating their scrummage in the second half and giving them a lot of penalties they didn't deserve, but uh, very convincing and uh, really skillful and aggressive and fast and consistent Leinster. So it's, it's Leinster against up against three French teams in the, in the semi-finals. They're the only non-top fourteen entrant. But Steve, you everything you saw, despite the referee, yeah, just just tells you that. Leinster are going to be are going to win their fifth star for their jersey. Uh, yeah, yes, it it does. Everything tells me that. Especially having watched only on TV the Munster game, I knew you, you said you think it was a great game, Alex. But yeah. um, the 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 uh, just as they did uh, in the final last year, Toulouse did not play. They tried to outlast them. They tried to kick penalty goals. Okay, they scored a couple of nice tries, but they did not give it their best. And let's be fair, on paper. They are a much more talented team than Munster, no question about it. We'll, we'll, and, we'll, get, the, we'll get to the Munster game in a sec. Just on on the um, the point you mentioned there about Leicester and where they are, it was really interesting after the game that Ellis Genge wanted nothing to do with any conversation about this is an important stepping stone on Leicester's journey. Hmm. I understand exactly why he said that. A, because he's just stepped off the field and um, it was a game that 
he's he's disappointed. He, he saw it as a missed opportunity. And he, also, you got the sense he doesn't want to be a martyr either. Yeah, but also yeah. he is leaving, so he's actually not part of their yeah. building journey. What Steve Borthwick, who can be quite monosyllabic and, and downbeat, was actually quite heartened by what he saw and and almost put into context. And I, and I wondered whether because we're all getting very excited about what Leicester are doing in the Premiership. Mm. He's the one saying we're not close to where we need to be. Mm. And in some ways, I think this probably gave them a marker of they're doing well in the Premiership, but there's a long way to go if they're going to compete in the in the top four of Europe. There is, and I, I think there's another element now because um, they weren't they 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 weren't anywhere near their best. One or two things were found out. I didn't think Chesham justified an England call up in in any way. I really didn't. And and um, the other thing is now there are teams coming behind them. That have started slowly and are now accelerating for the not the knockout stages. So it could be that Leicester and they're certainly not going to go and win the, the win the win the Premiership at a canter. They're going to have to fight like mad for it. Yeah, and I think actually, if you if you're a, a fan of that club and you're looking at the medium term health of where they're headed, I suppose it's actually a good thing to come up against a juggernaut like Len, Leinster because. They have this system where they can produce a crazy amount of players who get an awful lot of game time before they're quite ready for the the top level, and then they have this ridiculous depth. And if you're Leicester, and, and it seems like they're with their recruitment in in the last year or so, and all we've talked about with the young guys coming through is that they want to get to a place where these guys are battle hardened enough, so that we're talking about them as a force in Europe in a in a couple of years time. And it's like, oh god, they're really hard to play. So if you're going to lose. I suppose it's actually probably better for them to lose against this Leinster side now than say lose against Toulouse in a in a kicking battle or yeah. uh, and we'll get on to Toulouse now. There's a, there's a theory of I'm hearing from some people that 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 group of players might be running out of puff. Um, it, it might be good for Leicester to have this scare now and then when they get into the the tight the nitty gritty as Steve says in the Premiership suddenly go all right okay. We were flying at the start, but it's this end of the season that really counts and you've got to learn things from this. Steve, you talked about teams closing in on, on Leicester in the Premiership. Saracens are building up ahead of steam. It, it, you know, in reality, the English team best equipped to win the Champions Cup aren't actually in it. No. But, but So for two years in a row now, we, we've got to the semi-final stages with no Premiership team. As Leicester were highlighting pre-match, Leinster had two weeks off. Yeah. Sent their third string down to South Africa. Yeah. Um, Leicester can't compete with the scheduling of uh, that that Leinster benefit from. They can't compete with the finances that a Toulouse have, so they can have mm. the French one and two hooker, for example. They can bring off the off the bench that those enormous beasts that that they did. They don't have the money of France. They don't have the scheduling benefits of of the URC, and there's a lower salary cap. Um, is are we going to have to accept for a couple of years now that English clubs are going to struggle in? In Europe to compete at the, at the highest level, they, they're certainly not going to be able to compete on both fronts. I think really, if uh, with some clubs, say Saracens next year, I think if Saracens say, "Look, we, we got a smaller salary cap now. We would like to get back to Europe," they might have to say, "Look, but let's just aim for fourth in the." You know, you're not going to be able to do both, uh, and the salary cap. I, I I think they cut too much off. People are, are already scrabbling about trying to sort their team. Uh, so that is a massive disadvantage, and so is this. You know, I mean, Len- Leinster. Let's be fair, lads. Uh, Leinster are in the URC. The URC in South Africa won't be seeing any of those Leinster players, 
Hmm. I mean, they might do if there's a playoff at the end. Johnny Sexton's passport won't be needed. He, they, they're not going to send him down there. Uh, and so the two-week rest, I mean, what would the Tigers have done with a two-week rest? They were absolutely loved it. Um, so um, it, it is now geared and anti against the English clubs, as you suggest. And if they do win it next year, English club, they would have done bloody brilliantly. We'll hear from Marcel Ketsir on... on uh on the South African view of joining Europe, but to, I guess he'll probably back up your point, Steve, that they won't see Johnny Sexton and Ty Furlong down in South Africa unless it's a, a, a Champions game. Cup game. Just as we won't see Sia Kalise up here unless it's a mm. Champions a knockout game. I had a friend who was at Welford Road, a Leicester fan, his first experience of, of the ground, of, of, of going to watch Leicester, and he absolutely loved it. Yeah. The whole experience, that not just the result for Leinster, but the the atmosphere and the and the intensity, and he loved the the whole day out, stay the night. The one downside for him was that because of the scheduling and the extra time at the Aviva and the lack of phone signal inside Welford Road, no one actually knew what how that that game had, had finished, and and it was only it began to filter through the stands that it had gone to extra time, mm. and then it had gone to penalties, and those two games overlapped, which. It's be pretty hard to criticise the the organisers for for not banking on penalties because they very rarely happen. But it was a it was a sh- it was a shame that there was a bit of an yes. overlap there. And you and um, certainly those watching on television missed the first twenty minutes at, of of Leicester because they there's no way anyone could have switched off what was happening at the Aviva. Well, you you know look whether or not you think that um the the the, the kicking is the way to finish it. When we knew it was going to be a kicking contest we all had to go to our seats for the other game and you really regretted it because yeah. it's like I mean, you may think it's slapstick but it's it's, it's compelling you know it, it, it is compelling and I, I, I don't know what you think Al, that the last time we had it in in the Heineken Cup when Leicester beat Cardiff and it went to you know, Jordan Crane landing it and Martin Williams missing it um, I think this this structure of, of picking three kickers and having them kick three and then and then three from further back is is in a a better way I don't see another way of settling after 100 minutes of Blood and Thunder yep. what else are you supposed to do I mean I like it yeah. uh, I, I, I like the, uh, maybe it's because I don't support any of the teams that are involved so I didn't have the gut twisting tension of it yeah. but it's it's dramatic It's and it's out of the ordinary because yeah. I can think of two other penalty shootouts in recent history there's that game you mentioned in 2009 between Leicester Tigers and, and Cardiff and we all know what happened there. There was there was one the other year with in the the Pro D two Biarritz against Bayonne to see who got promoted and yeah. Stefan Armitage kicked yeah, the winner. Yeah. I mean, it throws up all these kind of things. Now, what was different about those is that it it went round the squad, so it was going to it wasn't just your designated kickers. This one, maybe there's a little bit less jeopardy because if you're a good kicker, then you're lining up in front of the posts uh, from. Uh, the the twenty two to then the ten meter line. Within, I'm imagining if it goes round again, it'll be the halfway. Are we going to go to the next ten meter line? What's going to happen there? Um, I I do find it interesting that Antoine Dupont, the the most famous man in the game at the moment, uh, the reigning world player of the year. Uh, I don't know if it, he decided, but he gave himself the the easiest kick <laughs> right back in front of the post, so that he could turn around and look amazing as he walked away away from the kick. But uh, <laughs> jeopardy. You're right. Blood and thunder. Hundred minutes, which is such a rarity in the game. Anyway, yeah. I just quite, I just quite like it, and I think it's. I mean, we're all talking about it. Yeah. Well, mm. mm. I, I like to talk about the game because, just as there were performances at, at Welford Road, I mentioned James Ryan, but and you mentioned James Gibson Park, Robbie Henshaw, Josh Van der Fleer. I thought a couple of other Peter O'Mahony, 
and Jack O'Donoghue to pick two players who didn't deserve to be on the losing side. I mean, they were outstanding. And and, and I hear what you said from earlier, Steve, that Toulouse aren't firing on all cylinders. They're, they're, they're not clicking in the way that they have done. But Munster, my God, what an effort they put in. And it's 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 the other guys that, that have come through out of necessity because of who's out injured. So, I mean, Josh Witcherly, 22-year-old loose head, uh, was phenomenal, I thought, for Munster. And Kandelan, the, the 21-year-old back rower, I mean... There are few. There was almost a sense of a throwback, wasn't there? When yeah. when the we wondered what it was going to be like at the Aviva Stadium because Ed Sheeran had booked up the uh, Toman Park and and Munster were going to have to travel to Dublin and but there was some hell of an atmosphere oh. there. There was real noise going about and young lads like that put their hand up and to see O'Donoghue rolling forward and it the the crowd were on their side. The referee was on their side because things were rolling. It just felt like a a proper European tie whereas I mentioned it earlier speaking to some people in France there's a sense that Toulouse on a couple fronts are starting to run out of puff they've got these superstar guys in the front line and they've got a hell of a first 15 but after that they might not have the depth of some of the guys around them in France and it showed on the pitch there because with the emotional power coming towards them from Munster Munster in a big European tie Munster with everything sort of rolling forward they just didn't seem to be on their metal and really they just clung on with the crapshoot of a shootout the, uh, I, I think one of the things is with, with, with Toulouse and it happens with a lot of the French clubs, it used to happen with Biarritz is that because Dupont is nine he really does all revolve around him so he has his go, and he said, right, boys, I've decided that I'm going to give someone else a go now, so use the ball. Uh, it used to happen with um, with Biarritz a lot and, 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 and a lot of French teams. Um, and, you know, there are some great French teams that you couldn't even name the fly half because he never got the ball. And I think that they're going to have to switch against Leinster. Uh, he is going to... Uh, Dupont is going to have to just whip the ball out like... Um, uh, Gibson Park does whip the ball out now and again not take everyone on his own not keep on turning back inside to the front row whip the ball out and, and then let these artists start playing because the, you're going to to beat Leinster you're probably going to have to score three tries in the final maybe even four and if it all re- revolves around our mate Antoine then they'll be struggling and they got swallowed up a couple of times by that Monster back row as well. well. Second half in particular, it was there was that moment he, he took the ball in and swarmed four or five of them, lifting him off his feet. Mm. Um, that yeah, and, and Leinster. Well, you can imagine will will do exactly the same thing. Won't they? Of course they will. Of course they will. Um, but I, I think last year's final was a travesty. La Rochelle would, didn't try and do much more than than than, than um, Toulouse did. Toulouse just crept home. They stirred themselves to kick a penalty. Then they then they relaxed again. And it was just that they are a way better side than that. And someone has got to realise that they're not going to do that again. They've got to play with a little bit more ambition. Otherwise, Leinster will be far too good for them. I mean, the nadir for me is I remember going to the 2005 final at Murrayfield and it was uh, Toulouse versus um, Stade Francais and it was all kicks and it was one of the worst games of rugby I've ever seen. So I'm hoping I'm hoping people listen to Steve <laughs> and don't go back to, to, to that side of things. Was that the one when Guy Novis went bonkers? Yeah. Guy Novis was always going bonkers. Well, he was arrested, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah he, he did, arrested yeah. at the end of the game. Oh, see, I liked that bit <laughs> when he went nuts. Honestly... <laughs> Should we have a word? For, you talk about La Rochelle. A word for Ronan O'Gara, who's head coach there, brought them back to the semi-finals again. 
doing doing great work. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting one. They are a lot of the chat in France has been about power. This La Rochelle team has been about power, and they didn't have a fantastic start to the season. And whilst we talk about what divisions people are playing in, I think it's only right that we. I mean, for my money. The top 14 is the best league in rugby at the moment. They've yeah. got the best second division in rugby at the moment. French rugby is absolutely thriving right now. And La Rochelle had a horrible start to the season and they've brought it back in. If you <laughs> if you want to be perplexed, look at the top 14 table at the moment and see how close it is um, with all the teams. I mean, who's going to make the mm. playoffs there? I have absolutely no idea. I ain't putting any money on it. But La Rochelle are coming good at the right time and it's all about power for them and if you look at their semi-final they are playing against Racing and we can talk about them a little bit but the thing that people are worried about with Racing is they're not, they, ain't, they ain't the most powerful in France up front their scrum's a bit squeaky and La Rochelle they eat that stuff up for breakfast and Ronan O'Gara isn't shy about going mm. we're good at that so we're going to stick to that Just uh, going on to the, the Racing sale game um, I wasn't actually there I did watch it on TV what I was absolutely delighted about was that Finn Russell um, had had a good game, was influential, and looked like he was enjoying himself because somewhere along the line, he he and certain elements of Scottish rugby seemed to have separated, and it was just lovely to see a great great talent like that play well, have an influence, and be one of the key players. I thought that was bloody good, and if they keep that up, um, they 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 they've still got a chance. Yeah, Will Kelleher uh, went over to see Finn last week before the game and. They had this long conversation about how about the sort of the burnout he'd felt post Lions, no break, um, and sometimes he, he ends up second guessing himself on the field. He hasn't; he's been a bit down, mm. but he didn't look like that on, uh, on on the weekend at all. I mean, he always plays with a smile on his face. Yes, but actually, he, the rugby he played put smiles on everyone else's faces. Yeah, it, mm. uh, I remember speaking to Mike Prendergast, the backs coach uh, and collision coach at, at Racing about... Who's heading to Munster. Who's heading to Munster, yeah, uh, 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 about Finn Russell at the, at the end of the Six Nations. And uh, I think Racing put their hands up and said, he's played all of this rugby. We need to take a bit of blame here. During the Six Nations, he was jetting back to play a game with us and then heading back to yeah. Scotland camp on a... On a Sunday after an eight o'clock game on the on the Saturday or 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 on the or on the Sunday and then jetting over on the Monday, so missing a day of training with Scotland and just the guy's been dragged from pillar to post. You know, hadn't been playing his best. You've got to accept that. But uh, I agree with Steve. He looked exceptional, and it was the footballing skills. Uh, uh, an interesting point. I was, I find the 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 field at La, La Defense interesting. So I asked a couple of players in France what it's like to play out there. And Zach Holmes, the uh, fly half, sort of every man actually in the back line for uh, Toulouse, I asked him what it's like there. And he says that it's definitely different to play on that field um, and the synthetic. And you need to learn how the ball bounces there. Well, Finn mm. Russell certainly knows how the ball bounces mm -hmm. there. He scored that try where... Um, he put boot to ball a couple times, showed a clean pair of heels as well, and I don't yeah, think yeah. everyone's always thought that Finn's had that in his game. Can we talk about the try from Terry <laughs> Thomas, please? Because, it's taking you so because, long. because there was a the thing about the synthetic pitch, and the reason I was as interested in asking people about it is because for those that didn't see his try, Finn Russell uh, drifts across the field, laces a, pa a kick through a, a grubber with his right foot on the slide. Um, Thomas gets it to the touchline, catches it, manages to somehow keep a foot in in play, but we're talking, well, there's no real grass there, so a, a couple of blades of plastic. Um, it looks like the turf might move a little bit with his foot. It was the same as... Joe Marchant for um, Harlequins at Northampton with with their wonder try the other week mm -hmm. planted his foot 
just in field and nudged the turf so the the white line just moved out right but Terry Thomas to have the wherewithal to use his other foot to whilst falling out of play to yeah. kick the ball in stay on his feet race round and dot down himself I mean exceptional skill and you got to celebrate moments like that it was it was absolutely brilliant mm. whether or not the was turf it? squidged under his foot <laughs> doesn't really what, matter was it the try of the weekend oh, well we can <laughs> we can debate that because well you know Everyone, we can't dance around it. We're going to be talking about Henry Arundel's try at some point uh, for London Irish. But my God, it was brilliant. Well, Teddy Thomas' finish was brilliant, and Henry Arundel is a kid we're going to be talking about for a long time, I think. Um, Eddie Jones went to see him play the other week, twenty minutes off the bench, and sort of inspired London Irish to come back for that. Was it forty-four all against Wasps? Um, and then for him to just have the instinct. To go, I mean, if you haven't seen it again, should watch it. L- London Irish end up missing out in Toulon by a point because the conversion went wide. But the, mm. he gets the ball on his own five meter line, and there's a combination of instinct. He, he sees that it's on to start with, the acceleration to to move away from the first defender, and then the intelligent change of speed and change of angles just leaves. All these retreating Toulon defenders, kind of almost falling over themselves, mm. and um, just a just a brilliant try. And I think the the thing with that is, it was created out of, and I, I don't mean this to be a negative, a, a panicked pass because defence was right on top, yep. and he got it, and he had a whole field of scattered players in front of him, and he wanted to run through it. Like that, you have to put that down to individual exceptional brilliance and confidence. You mm-hmm. can't underplay how vital that is, because we've also seen some moments. There was a, a kick through in the sale game when they were in in Racing ninety two's half, where it was a sort of attacking kick to nothing, and it was genuinely one of the worst kicks I've seen in attack in a long time. And you could see Racing go, "We're on here. We've got numbers up from this kick that we've just caught, and we can put a few, few passes in." And it was our our structure against their lack of structure is going to win every time. Arundel individual brilliance and yeah. we we got we got to celebrate that I don't know I just I'm in a good mood about it all you know no well, oh I'm, my I, god I think we He's should in a good be, mood <laughs> sorry Steve but we all should be I think it was a great weekend and right you've got um, Toulon edged against London Irish to play Saracens in the Challenge Cup semi final I can't remember who it is I saw but someone was basically saying we're all just sort of you can spin the bottle and pick a club and put them up against Saracens and Saracens are going through in this yeah. competition they're sort of it's just a slow march to the title I'll tell you what let's be fair the, the Challenge Cup has, has always been rocky but I mean there were four four fascinating quarterfinals I mean they were fascinating at, at Gloucester because really we found I mean George Gibbington and Paul Bloke said we're going to find out about ourselves or yeah. bloody hell they did um, Saracen's obviously a big story Edinburgh and Wasp I have not seen but it seemed to be a tight game Leon I've seen and, 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 and Glasgow that was tight as well, and two London Irish with that brilliant try. So at least you got four quarterfinals there that um, gave the stature gave stature to the competition. Yeah. So two Long Saracens, which not that long ago was the Champions Cup final. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. Lyon host Wasps um, in 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 the other semi final. Uh, well, some of the some of the true giants of rugby journalism are going to attend both those semi finals on Saturday because oh, one then? is early. Uh, I'm going to Toulon and then Lyon. Uh, you the, can do it in one day. Sorry, you can do it in one. You can do it in a day. You can do both. No, games. no, no, no. You can see both games yeah, you can, in you a can. day. Yeah. Then we're going to go for a four-month uh, 
um, rest on the Riviera. Brilliant. But, so what's the route? What's but, the route? How do you do it? Uh, you can do many, many ways. You can you can uh, get the planes, re- trains, automobiles. You can do a return return on the train to to Marseille, uh, which then on the way down you stop at Lyon. Then you go yeah. on to Marseille. Then you've got to get uh, the, the the shunter down to uh, Toulon. Yeah. Or you can fly various ways. The only trouble is your car might not be there when you go back because you you can't get back to the airport that you fly out of. So if you oh. don't want your car again, you'll be you'll be fine. So I I think I think it'd be two crackers and the the true pros are going down there. I'm not going to name, oh, name see, them, but um, I'll see you there then. Okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I just think that's one of the great kind of European adventures you could go and, and do two two games yeah, in a day in France. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you don't you shouldn't need to be a fan of either team to to want to be attracted by that no, trip. I think it'd be amazing. I mean, it was a brilliant weekend all round, and and the fabric of Europe will change next season with South African teams qualifying for the first time through the URC. Uh, Al caught up with Marcel Kurtzia, captain of the Bulls, who've qualified for the Champions Cup, just to get his thoughts on returning to the, a competition he played in for Ulster, and just a, a view from South Africa on on how the URC has developed. 
traveled to the UK, then to Australia, New Zealand in the past. And uh, the general feeling with the South Africans, um, yes, uh, regarding the URC, we've really been enjoying it. You know, it's um, awesome playing against Scottish teams based in the Irish teams as well and the, and the Welsh, you know, it's such a competitive um, environment and uh, it helped me grow as a player personally playing there in Ulster and then coming back to South Africa and I'm sure it will be the same effect for younger players going forward as well. I think uh, for the for the youngsters, they'll really reap the benefits from it and um, help them grow as rugby players and I think it will grow a uh, relationship between the nations together as well and i think uh, it's interesting to see how this tournament will progress and just grow from there good of marcel to, to join us dodging thunderstorms in in the bush he's excited about playing in europe um it'll certainly change the the dynamic of of the competition and and it's another example of of the sort of the shifting plates of of world rugby with south africa edging more towards europe they still talk excitedly in South Africa about the box, even joining the Six Nations. Steve, you, you talked about some going on some some great trips in Europe. Do you fancy a Champions Cup game in in Cape Town or Durban? I love I love any game in Cape Town, but not the Champions Cup. First of all, I think it would be great if the box do come up. It, it'll, it'll enable us to have promotion and relegation at last because the box would have to start in the in the second division where they can play Spain and all and all and all that lot. They're bound to come up. And then it would it would kick the backsides of Italy, uh, who would try and avoid relegation. But if they did uh, have to go down, there'd be a parachute payment, so they could come straight back up. And it would it would uh, have South Africa in Northern Hemisphere. So you don't mind but South Africa and the Six Nations? But no, you don't want them in the Six South Nations. But it is preposterous Cup. that they're in the in Europe. They're only in the URC because the URC wanted to expand because they were really struggling. First of all, they're going to try America. Then they go to South Africa. But the only reason South Africa were available is because they got hoofed out of Super Rugby. Um, the, 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 I, my geography is pretty poor, but as far as I know, last time I looked, South Africa's not in Europe. And and the European Cup is a is a, is a, a a precious thing, but it is very ephemeral. They keep on trying different things. They still don't know how what it's going to be like next year. But to have to put the South African teams in, and also that would mean that England plays, for instance, could have to could have to go there four times. It is just something that is it's Mickey Mouse. It's a it's a fairground attraction. And it's very dangerous. It's not actually been called the European Cup for a while now, and probably with good reason. Well, it's I think called a, a, a European Cup all season, the Sunday Times. Okay, it, it, it is a cup of European European cups at the moment, it's a European it's, Champions Cup. It's not the it's not the um, South African Addendum Champions Cup. Yeah, well, make sure we get the sponsor's name in there as well because the South African sides always do that. Just <laughs> just from a, a sort of a, a scans view on this one, um, the South African sides, people in charge of South Africa, in terms of getting their young players up a few notches, have played an absolute blinder, haven't they? Because you can have your guys playing test rugby, if they stay in the rugby championship, playing test rugby against the All Blacks and the Wallabies and... Argentina and hey it could be Fiji at some point in the near future um, they get the chance to play that and then their club players go up to Europe in European winter and, and learn the hard way how to play up there you know I've spoken to Marcel Kutsi about this at the midpoint of the season when the South African sides were struggling and they talked almost as if it was a sort of fact finding mission to begin with then they come home 
and they start flying in the URC and it was almost like they were trying to learn the weaknesses of the European sides try and learn how they play incorporate that into their game and then also have their own traditional game so you know we could be looking a couple of years down the line where everyone else has allowed the South African sides to become incredibly strong and have a generation of players who let's be honest when they were playing each other particularly during COVID times, weren't having the best time of it, weren't playing the best rugby, and there was a bit of a shock when they played against experienced teams. Now they could be allowed to become incredibly strong and improve what is already one of the, the Tier 1 nations. Well, I'm absolutely delighted that the European Cup has now been set up for the benefit of South Africa then, Mel. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. But all the teams in Europe who don't want them in will be absolutely delighted to know that it's, it's, they're gearing up for something else. Absolutely. This is the European Cup. It should be flat out. It should be 100% T. That, that was what, what was so good about Leicester and Leinster was it was flat out. Do you know what? There are very few games now where the first team plays it. The first team does play. And if the European Cup's not going to be it, well, abandon that as well I, I, I'm interested to see you know, I, I remember growing up watching Super Rugby and all those stadiums in that competition were full every week and 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 you you, you, you travelled to Cape Town or Durban and and the backdrop was, was vivid and loud and passionate and all of that has disappeared from what I can see in provincial rugby in South Africa no one watches it the the the, um, the tribalism that we've talked about at at the Aviva, sort of Tomond on tour in Dublin and and Welford Road was was one of the great things that you you get in Champions Cup rugby in European rugby. Where you you, you, know, you go to Claremont or or Toulon and and the, the 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 vibrancy of the of the atmosphere is is something really special. And at the moment, I don't see South Africa bringing that because they don't. They're 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 hemorrhaging supporters, aren't they? I mean, you've 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 watched more of those games than I have, but you you tune into URC matches down there, and there's one man and a dog at the games. Yeah, and there's they've had to be a special plans to try and wedge as many people into uh, into Pretoria as possible, for example, to try and get folk to go and watch these games. They're really um trying to prop up the numbers a little bit. I suppose the thing with the European Cup is is that you'd hope. And it, this is a tournament that has been jigged about and poked and, and prodded and twisted and changed so often in, in the last few years that you just hope, and I, I, I agree with Steve on this one, and I hope that this is... We still get to the knockout stages and the cream rises to the top so that we get incredible games like we saw at the weekend. Mm. And I suppose the thing is, is the South Africans are coming, whether we like it or not, and so I suppose you've got to throw the gauntlet down to them and say you got to rise to the occasion because you can't play at home every week. So if you're going to be playing against all these European powerhouses, you got to put the show on on the road. Up next, we will finish with God or Goddess of the Week. But first, Jess Hayden gives us the lowdown on the women's game. Last weekend was a record-breaking round in the Premier 15s of the top four are now decided with a whole round still left to play. Let's start with the records. Bristol Bears versus Harlequins drew in a record-breaking crowd of 4,101 fans at Ashton Gate. Quins had one of their strongest performances of the season and a well-drilled backline caused trouble for the Bears and an Amy Cocaine hat-trick for Harlequins sealed the win, but a losing bonus point for Bristol means they head into their first ever semi-final. Then there was the record-breaking defeat of Saracens. Exeter Chiefs, who are fresh from winning the Allianz Cup, beat Saracens by a 42-point margin to secure their place in the top four. 
Saracens had already confirmed a semi-final position, but for Chiefs they now have the chance to become the first women's team to win a Premier 15s double. So the top four in this year's Premier 15s are Saracens, Exeter Chiefs, Harlequins and Bristol Bears. This weekend is the final round of the regular season before the semi-finals take place on Sunday the 22nd of May and the final on Friday the 3rd of June which is the bank holiday. Just as a reminder, Harlequins are the reigning champions and only they and Saracens have ever won the title. Saracens are top of the table with 72 points which means they have secured a home semi-final but the second place team will have the other home semi-final and with extra on 61 points and Harlequins and Bristol both on 60, there's still that to play for. So the scores from round 17 are Bristol Bears 26, Harlequins 43, Exeter Chiefs 54, Saracens 12, Gloucester Hartbury 34, Wasp 7, Sale Sharks 57, DMP Durham Sharks 5 and finally Worcester Warriors 34, Loughborough Lightning 24. Thanks, Jess. Uh, right, we, we come to the end. Our weekly God or Goddess award. Uh, we've mentioned a few candidates already. I'll come to you first. Double T Double for T. me. Terry Tomat. And I think that was an incredible moment, that try. Genuinely, go and watch it. It's the skill on the hoof, squidgy turf or not, um, deserves, deserves mention. And also, this is a fella who... Hasn't always had the best of time. People are always trying to land kicks on his head because he, he can be put under an awful lot of pressure. But going forward, I mean, that was sublime. Steve? I'm going to go... Um, I think that does, does sound a great win. I'm going to go really um, what you might call bread and butter. I think that um, the best back or the most effective back I've seen over the last year, including the Lions Tour and including Saturday, is Robbie Henshaw. Mm. I think he's been absolutely... I think he he's lifted his career... Um, you know, halfway through it, where he possibly was not playing so well, wasn't in the team. The the power of the guy, considering he's not a big guy, uh, the way he took his try on Saturday and the way he held it all together uh, outside uh, Johnny Sexton was absolutely magnificent. So mine, um, not as dazzlingly talented as Teddy Tomar, but uh, still a great player. I've name-checked... A load of players who I loved watching this weekend. Almost all of them were forwards. Um, James Ryan, Omani, O'Donoghue. But I have to give my nomination to Henry Arundel for his his try from from the outskirts of Toulon. Uh, just a, <laughs> just a, a brilliant moment of in, of individual um, everything we discussed: confidence, skill, intelligence. Um, he's a nineteen year old kid who we're going to see a lot of, and uh, so he gets my vote. So. I, Three pretty stellar nominations to round off this week's episode of The Ruck. Thank you all for, for joining us. We'll be back next week. Steve will have been on his road trip through France. We'll be assessing all four European semi-finals. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.